Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Swallow me whole, daddy. What the hell is even that? Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 33 of the Split Screen Media Podcast. We are a podcast that talks about movies, TV shows, music, video games. We get into our personal lives a little bit as well. With me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Chris Blankenship. Say hi to the people. Hi to the people. And with us again... As always, pretty much as always, is Mr. Joey Baden. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me back. All right. And today we're going to continue, kind of continue, I guess, our discussion from last week. We had mentioned that our Suicide Squad review was going to be done this week. And here it is. We're going to talk about it today. Um, Joey, just to fill you in, last week we were discussing, uh, we were talking about like the Suicide Squad box office and why... Mm. It failed and maybe some of the reasons as to why it failed. Um, we mentioned, you know, Chris brought up something very important, which that the marketing for this movie was pretty terrible. <laughs> um, we had also talked about COVID and we had talked about the HBO Max side of things. Okay. Um, but this week, I really just want to get everybody's general thoughts and then we're going to get into some like some more specifics. But what did you guys think of this movie overall? I thought it was really good. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I gave it like eight or nine out of ten. Um, you're when you said last week, like go into it watching it like a or felt like you were watching like a comic book movie. That's kind of like the headspace that the movie put me in, and for good reason. And that way, it could be a little outrageous and like still make you feel like everything's kind of believable. Um, the humor was pretty good. Um, the character development was pretty good, even if they died in five minutes. <laughs> um, it, it made me care about each character, but they were also expendable. It was kind of weird. Um, so I think that was done well. Um, and then there was one part that I'll get to a little later that I didn't like, but I'll I think say that, that yeah. has to be reserved. Let's keep let's keep our general thoughts spoiler free. The first part of this spoiler free, and then we'll let everybody know. We'll put something up on screen um, when we get into spoiler talk. So yeah, this will yeah. just be our general thoughts. But Joey, what did you think of the movie? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. I really liked it. Again, probably solid eight or nine out of ten. Um, it it kind of gave me the old. Uh, it reminded me of kind of the more old comic book movies, not necessarily like pre MCU, pre DCU. Kind of gave me like some. Um, I kind of felt almost like the old like Daredevil, the old Punisher, the old even the old Spider Man movie, something like that. It, it kind of. Um, felt like I was somehow coming back to that in a, in a way um, that I really enjoyed. Uh, I know a lot of times you kind of get sucked up into the whole extended universe thing. And this one, while it did have some references to the larger universe, um, was also a pretty self-contained story, which was really good too. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I, you know, it's interesting you say that. It definitely has the camp of like an early 2000s superhero movie, mm -hmm. like that same level of cheesiness and, and, you know, it didn't insanity. have the edgy music at least but <laughs> no it didn't have the edgy no music. nickelback originals <laughs> which is a, it's a huge shame <laughs> um it up my... to it, whatever one more up if it was an eight to nine if it was a nine it's now a ten easily <laughs> this might be a first on uh split screen media because usually i'm the you know pessimist <laughs> the cynical douchebag as it were but I think I actually would give this a higher score than both of you guys. I like, I loved this movie. Um, I think it was my favorite. I think I said this last week was my favorite comic book movie in 
at least like three years, three, two or three years. I think every aspect about this film really just spoke to me, um, which I know there's a lot of things we're going to get into later. I actually have a whole list right here. I'll show the camera. I don't think you'll be able to see it. It says <laughs> reasons why the Suicide Squad bangs. <laughs> I think it was backwards too, but yeah, I everything from the visuals to like the overall style, the writing, the um, choice of the soundtrack, the character development, like everything in this movie, I think works super well. I'd probably give this like a nine or a 9.5, somewhere in that area. Um, absolutely love this film. But I guess going into specifics, we'll still say we're going to stay spoiler free for a little bit here. Um, first thing I have is the camera work in general, I thought was really unique in this film. Uh, I mentioned it last week. It feels very Tarantino with the, the hard pans and like the weird focus on certain things moving throughout the scene. Um, Thankfully but, not on feet. <laughs> no, no. Actually, there is one pretty gratuitous foot shot in this movie. Oh uh, yeah, it's true. With uh, yeah, <laughs> I will say with who or what, but that, you're they, not wrong. Okay, all right, they, they Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> but this is actually something I mentioned last week too. I I told you that it felt like a Tarantino superhero movie, and it turns out the guy who did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood edited this movie too, um, which is why they feel so similar to each other. Um, but compared to the normal type of uh, directing we get in these superhero movies, especially in the MCU. This was like such a you know breath of fresh air. I felt like For sure. it didn't it didn't feel like those other action movies in a way. Like it's an action movie, but it didn't have that feel. Um, and I think like going through, can we do spoilers? Let's just do spoilers. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so spoilers here on out if you haven't seen it, How which can... you probably haven't because no one has. But <laughs> how can we talk about the camera work and then not talk about? specific examples yeah um when they're going through the camp like uh uh, like the freedom fighters camp and like uh peacemaker and blood sport are like having that little competition Mm. uh and the camera's like following them like at a distance sometimes and then it's i think that's like a really good uh like use of the camera in that's in that scene yeah, it's cool to follow them and kind of go to pov and then we'd follow them behind we go back to pov yeah i agree (laughs) Even simple stuff like there's a scene at the end where Bloodsport is like assembling his weapon and and it's like panning all around and it does like this crazy hard stop on it where it like, you know, it sort of materializes as this weapon. He puts something on top and it spins around like it's just really fun is the best way I can describe this movie. And it's not too over the top, like dizzying. I think it might have felt that way, like once or twice, but like. It, it, generally speaking it wasn't that bad it rides the line really well i think yeah and then what you typically get with these action movies or you know marvel or something is like jump cut every two like <laughs> not even two seconds like half a second and then it's like slinging all around and it just makes like combat feel like you're on a roller coaster yeah and then uh they did a really good job of like the the extended uh harley fight um, where it was like a, almost like a John Wick fight where it was kind of following her throughout it where she's doing all the cool shooting. They had the really cool visuals to go along with that that played into her character and was a polite reference to her in the animated series um, with uh, the birds and the flowers and stuff popping up everywhere. Um, and But speaking more specifically on the camera work there, uh, it was really cool how it, like, it followed her through that. And um, 
it really it felt like I was watching like a female led uh, John Wick movie, which John Wick is a pretty good compliment. <laughs> the it's editing like, with the oh, the I'm editing sorry. with uh, the editing with the flowers and stuff in that scene is like kind of really crazy. It's like cool. Yeah, really enjoyed that. Yeah, again, very stylized. Um, that one scene I think was better than all of Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. Like it was what that movie was trying to do, but this one just knocked it out of the park. I actually have that on my list pretty far down, but we can skip to it. Um, I wrote Harley Quinn is actually good now because <laughs> <laughs> not that she Margot Robbie was ever bad as this per- like character. I think she really acted the hell out of this role the entire, you know, three times she's played Harley Quinn. But this is the first time I think the writing matched her level of acting and her character gelled with me a lot in this film. Like this is the first time I was like, yes, I see you as Harley Quinn now. I haven't seen Birds of Prey, so I don't know, like, I guess the bad part of it or, you know, I, I don't know. I don't remember her in any other role. Um, I did like her, though, and I thought the humor, like, uh, like when they're scaling the building and she's like, oh, hey, what are you guys doing? And they're like, oh, uh, we're here to save you. And she's like, well, I can go back inside. <laughs> I think that, that was really funny to me. Um, there are a lot of the jokes that really stuck which is good too <laughs> even if it was like it was like a little childish or whatever but I, I still thought it was really funny yeah no i would say you know a good amount of the jokes in this movie land which i wasn't really expecting um there's mm-hmm. one kind of through line for maybe the last like there's a portion of this that happens in the last act of the movie but you see this guy who basically just helped them out in the second act and he's sort of following them around and you don't really know why in the back of your head you're like why is this guy still here and then at one point at the end of the movie he gets shot and he dies and then one of the characters goes oh my god milton's dead and then the other characters are like milton was here (laughs) he was with us and they yeah. sort of address like your own thoughts of what he was doing throughout the entire movie. And I thought that was a really fun callback. I, I love to. And then uh, during the last scene as well, or, or one of the last scenes where Harley thought that Bloodsport was Milton, she, she still didn't like, she <laughs> did not recognize the dead guy on the floor was not, was Milton, not the person that was right beside her. <laughs> I was just going to say that, that that was a, that was a joke that definitely did land. Cause it yeah. made sense. Like when she looked out into the, when they were in that like office cubicle thing, she saw both Milton dead and Bloodsport when she looked out. So it makes sense. And uh, <laughs> she looked, genuinely looked frustrated that she still didn't know who Milton was. She's like, we just yeah. had this conversation. <laughs> yeah. She had a hell of a day. I mean, she just finished like stabbing uh, the starfish and stuff. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, she's a crazy day. <laughs> she's, she is crazy. So it, that was totally fine. Like yeah. she wouldn't know who's who really right um that was another great bit speaking of not knowing who's who the whole polka dot man mom thing oh yeah i love that that was so funny because it's it's another twist like on the character that we don't see externally until it shifts to his point of view Mm -hmm. and then it's just his his hilarious mom like especially when there's like uh like several of them like just like Oh, when they're, like it's all, they're all dressed in all the different bad guys' outfits or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it does a great job of escalating that joke, too, because at first he just sees, he's like, I see everybody as my mom, because for the backstory, his mom tortured him and forced him to become a superhero. Like she gave him superpowers. So he sees 
everybody as his mother and you see that at first and then the next time it happens he's in the club and he's like he's like grinding on someone and it's all his mom <laughs> and then and then the next time he like turns the giant bad guy at the end into his mom so I, it was a really good escalation of comedy i thought mm-hmm. for sure uh let's see what else i have on here um yeah i think we kind of talked about this already but the visuals of this movie were absolutely incredible the special effects in particular i thought were really well done so it was so practical like most of them are practical effects which was fantastic which made it look a lot better than just cgi garbage like it is most of the days yeah for sure and that's that's when cgi is at its best is when you film most things practically and then you just add a layer of cgi on top and that's what it's really supposed to be for that's what it's always been for except now you know, with the Marvel movies, they don't have time to build all these sets. Like they have the money for it. It's just, you know, a lack of time with everything else coming out. So it's nice to see them put that level of effort into a movie again. For sure. See, we have, yeah, I I said great pacing, fun for the entire movie. We talked about that already. Um, It didn't feel like a two hour movie. Yeah. No, I, yeah, it blew by on my first watch through i was like i can't believe this is over already <laughs> yeah like sometimes those like because it's two hours sometimes those movies feel like a drag <laughs> um but i really enjoyed it and it, it it really felt it felt good and it felt like you said the pacing of it felt consistent throughout the whole movie like the the story was going at a good pace it didn't feel like there was lulls or you know parts where it was like going too fast or there wasn't like a lot of exposition shit it's just like told a nice even well-paced consistent story yeah i think i'd mentioned this before but i really liked that um when they did any sort of exposition or backstory for the characters it made sense like um they wait until the bus scene to kind of start talking about why the hell do you are you with rats why are you rat catcher too why are you afraid of rats like they they waited until it made sense for the characters to talk to each other about that it wasn't, uh, I, I will always bring up Suicide Squad, the original one, where he gets in the plane and yells, this is Katana! They're still get killed by her sword or whatever. Yeah. Um, and this one didn't really do that at all. They were like, it was more so, these are your, uh, like, these are your friends until they die or until the mission's over, until they die, you die or the mission's over. And then that's all you get at the beginning until a later point when they have a lull and they can talk to each other. Here As comes a, a real human would, you know. <laughs> Here comes Slipknot, the man who can climb anything. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Night and day between the first one and this one. <laughs> like, well, let's just hope this one can win an Oscar too. <laughs> the Oscar-winning Suicide Squad, ladies and gentlemen. Oh yeah, no, I think that that's also an important thing to bring up too, like how little exposition there is at the beginning with characters, because usually it'd be like, oh, here's why this person has their powers. Here's you know how they got to this spot but it's literally like this man shoots polka dots and this is the giant shark we're moving on like it yeah. doesn't matter um but like uh the tdk they even make a joke out of like not explaining it <laughs> uh <laughs> with the uh, nathan fillion's character uh because they don't like he's asking about it on the thing and where you would expect them to explain what it stands for or explain his powers he's like it's my name and they're like i know what do the letters stand for it's like they're my name yeah <laughs> like Letters can't be a name. It's like all names are letters. You know, it was a really good <laughs> joke, and it skipped the pointless exposition over this character that didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> it doesn't matter because everybody's backstory is 
you They're were a criminal. <laughs> a criminal who's now in a mission and you're on the suicide squad. Right. So which actually leads to my next thing perfectly, Chris, but I put um excellent use of expectation subversion in this movie. Um I mean the whole first 15 minutes of this are introducing you to all these characters that immediately die in the first mission which I thought was so much fun. I, I love that so much. It sets the stage for any one of these. Cause there's some, like there are some characters in team one that you probably are like, that guy's going to die. Right. Like I, I guess like javelin, he's not making it anywhere, but <laughs> yeah. there are also some characters that you think that might go a while. Like I thought Pete Davidson's character was going to get more screen time than he did. And so when they all died, <laughs> like i was like well i guess you know we can't get too attached to these characters but the film like once we hit team two it does make us care a little bit but still in the back of our mind they have already planted the seed like hey they could die at any minute i think the big moment was uh captain boomerang uh dying in the beginning i think that was what truly set the stage for the entire rest of the film that it's like anybody can die i like that the whole point of this thing is that you're going on a suicide mission and people will die. I mean, uh, he was even joking with, uh, I think it was with Harley, uh, Harley or Rick, uh, of which ones he thought was going to survive, which one he thought was going to die while they were on the helicopter. And then he died <laughs> along with everyone else except for Harley and uh, uh, Rick Flag. So it was um, yeah, I, I definitely like a nice wake up call moment. It kind of left you on the edge of your seat for like the whole movie. You're like, I know that we're like following the main squad now, but when's the main squad going to have this moment? And they have their own moments too. <laughs> it, it felt believable. Like yeah. sometimes when we're watching all these comic book movies, it's like the good guy always wins. The bad guy always loses. Like, you know, there's an Iron Man three coming out. So, you know, Iron Man's not going to die in Iron Man two. So it's just, right. you know, but this one felt like we don't know these characters. They're not setting up. Hopefully they're not setting up sequels. We can talk about that in a little bit, but like <laughs> they, they're really like, again there's like no attachment like they can die and it's totally like this the story moves on the mission keeps going on and and i like the movie did that for sure they also they do a good job at like setting them up as characters but the movie never pretends that like their powers are anything but the most ridiculous and stupid thing you can imagine like one of my favorite scenes or one of the scenes at least i was laughing the most at in this movie is when TDK finally shows his powers and he detaches his arms and they just kind of like float across the battlefield. But because like you don't have any actual like body kinetic energy to move them, all he can do with his arms is like noodle slap. (laughs) (laughs) I like when his arms are getting shot, but he still feels that pain. So he's like writhing around on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no i was dying like, it's the same thing as like javelin's powers that he throws a javelin like these guys suck yeah. <laughs> but but the movie never pretends that they don't like they, they don't make them like oh look how amazing these guys are they're like no yeah. these guys are yeah. awful like they're, they're not even list villains you know yeah <laughs> they're, it also treats them as all equals which is really nice like it doesn't like have like one like sure blood sport is like the leader of team two but it like they all equally get to do something silly or dumb and it's kind of cool that they're treated all equally and uh uh yeah i don't know i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> <laughs> no but, but i just I, like like one character doesn't stand out you know 
Yeah, for sure. And they did a good job just speaking of Bloodsport, I think, because originally they hired Idris Elba to take over the role of Will Smith's Deadshot because um, he decided not to come back. I think he said he was filming a movie, but I think in reality, he was like, I'm not doing one of these fucking movies again. <laughs> um, but it was it was interesting because his backstory, at least in the trailers, looks so similar to Deadshot. Like, oh, he had a daughter. He's trying to protect her, blah, blah, blah. Like, I was like, oh, it's going to be the same exact story. But they do a really good job of differentiating him from Deadshot because the first conversation he has with his daughter, he's just like, fuck you. He's screaming at each other. (laughs) And I was like, oh, this is a very different character. Okay. Yeah. I agree with all that. That was uh, really good to see. Leading more into your uh, like good subversion of expectations where um, it just, it didn't uh, ever do it in a poor way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, another perfect example, Joey, I know you and I talked about this, but one of my favorite subversions in this movie is, you know, they're taking out all the guys in that camp and the trope would be, oh, you know, they're they're like seeing who can do it better, like who can get the best kill. And you're like, oh, okay, that's funny, but whatever. But then at the end, when they open the tent, they realize they just killed all the good guys. Right. Like, I really enjoyed that sort of extra twist. And that happens a couple times in the movie. Um, King Shark's quote unquote death yeah it's sort of that like, like you, three think, of them. you think he dies like three times yeah <laughs> um but that yeah i think that movie like you said joey when we were talking off camera last jedi does it horribly and this movie does it so well for sure i can't i really hope that uh with the, how much love king shark got he makes like a cameo or something in aquaman too i don't know if he will but it'd be really fun <laughs> to see uh king shark come back there absolutely i felt so bad for him throughout the whole movie yeah, you just yeah. needed a hug. It's like they're, they're they're all the, the strip club, and he's just like, I'll just stay in here. <laughs> There's a little mustache. <laughs> oh man, they treat him like garbage. I actually thought that when the little octopus things attached to, I like, I thought he was dead when he fell out of the building. Like, I really thought they had killed him. I was like, oh my god, yeah. I did too. And I was like, that's, that's he gets no love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The whole thing oh. is about him wanting friends. He finally gets friends and they murder him. It was almost poetic if he did die there. <laughs> yeah, no, it really would have been. But thankfully they brought it because I love his character. Um, say, he's, he's been a pretty uh, fan favorite character via most of the reviews and people I've talked to. It's like King Shark was hilarious um, and was just really, he had really cool like uh, scenes too. <laughs> Speaking of the characters on the sheet I have, uh, I, one of the things I put was that the character, you actually care about these characters this movie has great emotional moments, including Starro, um, which I guess we can get into that a little bit. But yeah, the the emotional beats in this mo- in this movie, that was the last thing I was expecting to hit. Like I was like, they're not they're not going to be able to pull that off. Like this movie's too ridiculous. It's too over the top, which is fine. But usually you can't get that emotion from that. And I was totally wrong. There's some very heartfelt moments in this movie, particularly with the rat catcher and Bloodsport. Mm. their whole dynamic um and then the ultimately the the death of uh rick flag yeah and uh polka dot man too like and I, polka I dot felt, man i felt genuinely like i, I genuinely like it, it felt like i got like stabbed in the heart when he died i was like ah because he was like <laughs> he was so happy he's finally going to have his hero moment uh he'd finally lived up to his mom's expectations it was like this huge revelation and then he immediately died 
what an amazing backstory for that character too that nobody cares about yeah yeah like if you told me that polka dot man was gonna be like a main character and someone who was gonna be genuinely sad uh that uh, when he uh dies i was like you would have i would have laughed at your face you know <laughs> same with rat catcher too who would have thought that they would have had like one of the best like backstories and like the pulling the heartstrings with rat catcher one and the the cute uh taiki Wititi uh cameo yeah i will say um when peacemaker was about to like kill Ratcatcher too like that really tugged at my heartstrings because i was like i thought they were all going to be like on this mission and then there was like the clear divide uh where peacemaker is trying to destroy the records yeah and i was like wow like that's that sucks why peacemaker you bitch yeah (laughs) john cena's turn as peacemaker in this movie is awesome because john cena is not a good actor but in this movie, I actually really enjoyed his performance because he starts out the movie like clearly, like he says in one of the interviews, he's like, I'm douchey Captain America. That's the character I play. And mm-hmm. you see that he's like, he's like, I, I want peace. I don't care how many men, women and children I have to kill to get it. Right. Like it's So, you know, his character right off the bat, he's very goofy. There's a scene where he's running around in his underwear. Like it's ridiculous. But then at that moment, Chris, we're talking about where he's not going to let uh, Bloodsport reveal that or I'm sorry, uh, uh, Rick Flagg revealed that the U.S. government was involved in Project Starfish. He has this great turn where he really becomes the true villain of the of the movie. And I loved it. Like that fight scene with him and, and Rick Flagg is so good. Like with the helmet, all you can see is the reflection. Oh, yeah, that was such helmet. a cool camera shot. Oh, my God. <laughs> One of uh, the funniest moments in this film, I think, was when they were doing the Harley Quinn like rescue mission. And Harley Quinn had killed like everybody in that building. Uh, but then uh Peacemaker's like, I've got my eyes on like the only person in the building. And it was like a secretary. <laughs> and it's like there's no reason for him to ever have to kill that secretary, but he's like, I'm locked in if you need me to. <laughs> I'll take her out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so his his development was great. Um, and then just a quick note to any screenwriter out there this to me is how you do villain depth with just one line joey i know you and i talked about this but one of my favorite moments in this movie is you see obviously they're attacked by the way the the main villain in this is a giant starfish i should probably just throw that out there um but the giant starfish named starro is attacking everything and they're about to kill him and harley quinn uses the javelin from javelin and stabs him in the cornea and she's like swimming in eye fluid while rats devour the inside <laughs> out like it's hilarious and you you're laughing as the star is like his eye is filling with blood and he's falling around but then through one of the people that he has in like his hive mind he goes i was just happy like looking up at the stars like before you took me away and then it cuts back to him dying and you feel awful like yeah. it's this great turn of like the movie makes you feel sorry for this starfish and like that's another emotional beat i just wasn't expecting I'm like how the fuck did they do that this is yeah. so good you, you yeah. just cared about a starfish because <laughs> you cared real... about a mind controlling starfish it, it, it's like the real villain was the american government the whole time you know uh-oh <laughs> too real too real (laughs) they weren't trying to say anything well with current events maybe we shouldn't get into that yeah Yeah, it's true um but yeah it just it really it caught me off guard to have this very humanizing moment for this giant 
alien starfish creature. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, by the way, all the body horror stuff in this movie was great. Like um, when Polka Dot Man has lab, to. You mean? Well, the lab. I was gonna say the lab with all the crazy starfishes stuck onto people. Like the guy's like cut in half, but he's still alive with the star thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're like underneath, it's all corpse, but like the star is feeding off whatever energy is left. Um, and then the polka dot man thing where like he has to expel all of the dots, but like when he wakes up and his face is all fucked because the polka dots are basically <laughs> filling him up. Yeah. Like all of that stuff was fantastic. Starro's armpit is definitely a vagina, right? <laughs> it looks like it. <laughs> <laughs> You want to talk about body horror. That's one thing that was a little suspicious. <laughs> well, they did say the thinker had sex with him. <laughs> yeah. He was like, he kept me here and he tortured me and he had sex with me. And the thinker goes, mm. <laughs> Capaldi was great as that, as the, the, yeah, the he was the horny, maybe Nazi scientist. <laughs> no, I love how they did thinker in this because usually he's like the big bad and he's like, oh, I can. I know every move you're going to make before you make it because I'm so smart. And here was just like, he was kind of smart and he attached a bunch of shit to his head to make him a little smarter. Like he was still pretty useless, which I thought was great. Right. I, I like that. I, cause I didn't know anything about him before this. And I was like, it, he's so easily captured for somebody who's like supposed to be seven steps ahead of you, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like when they take him out of the club, he just kind of goes willingly and it's like, yeah. you don't have a plan for this. <laughs> You didn't see them coming, like. <laughs> no, he was so useless. And then his death was one of my favorites too, where they rip him in half and throw him against the, <laughs> the side of the thing. Right. Um, we should probably mention that too. This movie is crazy violent, like Absolutely. over the top in the best way. Uh, you know, super super violent. But it really needed to be, I think, to fit the tone of this movie. For sure, definitely. And like I said, following that uh, Tarantino guideline. And uh, one thing I want to bring up as well that I really liked was um, uh, Amanda Waller and her, and her goons. Uh, I really liked the, again, those are just like, uh, I think I've never seen the movie, but Connor, you had mentioned it's a lot like Cabin in the Woods where they're just kind of like middle management type people just plucking away doing these awful jobs, basically, that are controlling people's lives. <laughs> um, but uh, I really liked that um, they had a little bit of character defining moments where like they'll see him or like, they'll see her trying to kill that or say, Hey, I'm going to put your daughter in jail if you don't do this job. And they're like, can you do that? Like, are we like, they had that moment of the, that meme, like, are we the baddies? Yeah. <laughs> they they kind of had that moment and uh, that was really good. And uh, God Waller does, uh, or Viola Davis does amazing as Waller every time she is. I feel bad for whoever ends up playing Waller next. Cause they're going to have some pretty big shoes to fill. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think she did a great job. Um, but that going back to your point, I think that was a much needed change for this one, because the first movie was like some government organization started Task Force. Like you didn't really know who was in charge of Task Force. Ask, yeah, it's supposed to be Bell Rev, and they made very clear that that's who this was. Yeah, but this one was like you, you saw the working like the internal workings of that organization. You see like the flaws within it and all these people who are betting at the beginning like who's gonna die yeah i love like, the deadpool at the beginning <laughs> yeah no it felt very much like like an office job exactly like how cabin in the woods is supposed to be um and yeah i loved i love that change too it was subtle but like it was definitely needed mm. 
I um yeah I I can't sing this movie's praises enough. Like if if anyone out there hasn't seen it, I think we, that's probably safe to say that we would all recommend you go out and see this or at least watch it on HBO Max if you have that. Absolutely, definitely. I think theater would be better because um, a be be good to give them money and hopefully uh, give them the thumbs up to make more money more movies like this. Um, but uh, also. Um, uh, it, probably seeing it on the big screen would be a little better than watching it on your rinky dink TV at home. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, whatever way you can, yeah, just because that's the only way you can vote nowadays is with your wallet. So if you want more movies like this to get made, you got to go see it. Um, which is a shame because I don't think this movie is going to make its money back. Um, again, we don't have the HBO figures, I'm sure that represents a large chunk of the people who saw it so you know box office numbers really don't mean anything anymore uh in this current age but it's still a bummer to see that people wouldn't go out and and support this even if i kind of understand why <laughs> i really first one left a really bad taste in a lot of people's mouths so i think that's hurting a little for sure but um i think we talked about that last episode how just having like the same like that association probably didn't do any favors no, absolutely not. And it also kind of proved the point. I think I mentioned this too, but it proved the point of the WB executives because they're going to go, see, we told you if you put Joker in it and you put the promotional material with Joker and Harley Quinn, people are going to go see it, which sucks that they're proven right with this because this movie is so much better than that one. Like they're not even in the same category. Right. One of them uh, it, is like actual Oscar worthy and one of them should be in the Razzies, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's And it's a shame because like this movie, it, it's just like a one-off movie that like, I don't have to care about a whole franchise. It's not setting anything up. And I just enjoyed it to watch for two hours. And after that, like, I don't like, you know, th- there's nothing else like to care about you know there's you know, i'm not analyzing every character and what oh well the, they said this so that's going to set up this in the next movie or tv show or whatever the fuck they want to make it's just it, it was just nice to like just care about them and the element of that that movie and only that movie it was i will film. say unfortunately you're probably gonna have to ruin your hopes and dreams with that because there's a peacemaker tv show that's coming out so that's the one thing i don't like about it is <laughs> the after credit scene setting that up but it, yeah. was that that was your one thing that that's that's my one thing like if i just didn't see that after credit scene i would have loved the movie probably 10 out of 10 the fact that they brought him back to life or whatever and i was like well they're setting something up with him i didn't know it was a tv show yeah but i it's mean like a, it's, all, it's like a limited series like six episodes or something like that but uh that's not uh, too bad but i mean it's still like I think it's just a prequel. I don't think it like has any larger thing. I just think that okay. John Cena really enjoyed being Peacemaker. And they're like, yeah, fuck it. We could probably make some more money. I know, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> I just wanted it to be this movie. I don't want a spinoff TV show or this or that. But, you know, it, it's how movies and TV shows are made and how studios make money nowadays or make the most money. I'm with, I'm with Chris on this 100%. I think the DCEU is at its best when it doesn't try to do this like greater universe type thing. I mean, some of the recent DCU movies that I absolutely adore are like this Aquaman and Shazam, which have nothing to do with the overall story of like being interconnected to whatever, like they're just films. 
And I kind of, you know, as great as the MCU can be with its, you know, these stories that have gone on for a decade, which is really cool and unique. I, I miss films <laughs> and, yeah. this, and this felt like a singular movie front to back that I could just watch and enjoy. For sure. And like, it, it, I guess the, the thing is like for those, it, it seems like it's more like for those who want more, they'll be able to get a little, like, you know, get that little bit of extra. Um, but I don't think Peacekeeper is going to matter in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> He's a C-lister villain. I don't think that it'll matter. So like for like I'll probably watch it because I thought he did a really good job and I think it'll be pretty cool to see. But you guys not watching it, I don't think will affect anything at all. Whereas if yeah. you miss Loki, you're gonna be really confused for the rest of the MCU until you watch Loki. <laughs> and and that's that's I think is like the problem with this is like I'm so like just tired of having to watch so much shit to understand a new movie. You know, like if I miss two movies or something, I'm just so lost you know that's where uh, uh casey my fiance is right now or she's uh she's behind on uh one of the shows and two of the movies now uh so she's gonna do a lot of catching up before she can be ready for like spider-man and dr strange which is the one she's actually excited for but uh and, and that's the thing Loki. she still has to watch far from home you, you you can't watch the new movies until you see those because you're not going to understand anything mm. yeah there's definitely some things you can skip here or there, but I mean, you know, like you said, Joey, like stuff like Loki is going to be very important so going forward. It sets up everything moving forward. So like you, it's like, that's the, that's the thing to watch, you know? <laughs> but with Marvel, I think they have it to where they expect you're going to do that. They're like, if you've, if you've been with us for this long, you're going to watch the rest of our shit. Like we, we're not going to baby you anymore. Um, which to an extent, I kind of like that. Because it means we don't have to do all this handholdy crap that phase one did of like, here's the origin story of this person. You could just be like, hey, here's a new fucking character. Deal with it. Yeah. Um, I think this movie did that pretty well without having to set up a whole franchise, though. But I mean, I guess if you're going to do like such a big extended universe thing like Marvel or whatever, where it's like tons of movies and TV shows and stuff, fans are going to want that level of detail if they're investing that much time so yeah that's true i would also argue though that you know as bad as the first suicide squad is it does set up a lot of elements for this movie that they don't have to re-explain because of it like because you've seen you know you don't have to ask who amanda waller is or why they're doing this program task force x like it just it's there and without that context from the previous movie maybe you wouldn't be as forgiving with like the lack of exposition at the you know the front half of that movie i i, I don't know because i don't you know I, i've seen it but i think i don't know if hannah saw the first one we watched it together um the suicide squad like the new one um and i think she still pretty much understood kind of like what was going on because like you can kind of get it from the first like 15 minutes yeah they, they do a good job of following savant and watching him like getting him set up and kind of they do a hint of exposition but it's a really cool scene watching him do it and that cute cameo with the creator of the suicide squad being the one that puts the bomb in his neck and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. You do not need to watch the first one to watch this or enjoy it. I just, I wonder if me having that context, like I can't not have that context. So I don't know how it feels to go in without it. I was just curious if maybe that was, but you said Hannah liked it, right? Yeah, she liked it. And I, like I said, I think the movie is like, you don't have to go watch the first, like the other suicide squad to, to understand how the plot moves in this one 
which is to this film's benefit. Yeah, that's true. Um, Joey, I actually had a question for you because I think you've seen this movie and I don't think Chris and I have, but James Gunn made a movie a while ago called Super with Rain Wilson. Oh, I don't um, know James Gunn. <laughs> yeah, and I was wondering how that compared to this because that felt very, like at least from what I've, you know, seeing other reviews for the Suicide Squad, people were like, oh, this feels very similar to like old James Gunn, which can be R-rated and can have, these zany, crazy elements that he wasn't allowed to do in the MCU. So I'm wondering if you thought the Suicide Squad felt similar to Super, or if it was like two totally different things, or like. It's certainly been a long time since I've seen Super, but I do remember Super was super violent and uh, um, kind of followed that same vein of like um, they could potentially kill off a character and really catch you by surprise with it type thing. Um, so I guess I could definitely say, yeah, that, um, it, there's definitely elements of it um, that uh, I could see. And actually, and again, I had no idea that that was uh, James Gunn. That's uh, Brian Wilson and uh, uh, um, Ellen, now Elliot Page, right? I think mm-hmm. that too. Yeah. 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 So it's that. And then before that, he made a movie called Slither, which is like a, again, like a body horror film. Um, I've actually seen Slither. Oh, have you? Really? I, I think I've seen... we got two different perspectives. <laughs> I think I've seen Super as well, but it's been a while. It's also been a long time since I've seen Slither. That came out a long time ago. But people were talking about how elements of that movie bled over into Suicide Squad, like all the all the crazy body horror stuff, like with Polka yeah. Dot Man or or the Starfish Lab experiments. Um, but yeah, I it I people were like, it's nice to see him, you know, be able to express his directorial style fully which I completely agree with. And I hope that he mm-hmm. continues to make movies in the, uh, in the DCEU, maybe a Suicide Squad 2 or, I guess, 3. <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious to see, because uh, now he's going back to MCU to do Guardians 3 and the Christmas special, I think. Yeah. Pretty sure he said he already did. The, he's already written the script for Peacemaker show. I think they then... shot Peacemaker already. But did he? Yeah, I think so. Because he said he wrote it in uh, um, early, early quarantine because he just had nothing to do. So he wrote that show and then they I, I'm pretty sure they just wrapped, but I could be wrong. Fair. Yeah. So I guess uh, again, Guardians at three and the Christmas special are his next two things. And then I don't know what he does from there, but uh, you know what he does from there? Hmm. A weasel spinoff uh, movie. Let's hope so. <laughs> I love Weasel because Weasel's probably one of my favorite characters. <laughs> I love that everyone was speaking for him, but you got reaction shots of what he was thinking. So like they were like, yeah, no, he's totally agreed to do this. And you look at his face and he's like, fucking help me. Yeah. <laughs> he looked a little cracked out. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he was just shitting himself and then he immediately dies. <laughs> yeah. I love that uh, uh, with James Gunn, like, he keeps bringing his brother Sean into the movies, but gives him like the shittiest roles. And I just love that. <laughs> like, because uh, he's also a calendar man as a, a cute cameo uh, in this. And he's also in Guardians of the Galaxy as one of the Marauders. <laughs> but, yeah. God, I would have loved to have seen James Gunn's version of calendar man, like his full version of calendar man, maybe, maybe Suicide Squad. Uh... So that's got sequel, but yeah, I mean, like maybe he just throws calendars at people or some stupid shit, like yeah, 
I just can't believe that. Like, I think I told you, like, I, I sent you that picture where they just says, like, January, February, March, April, May, just tattooed around his head. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm thinking, about, I, I kind of forgot about Weasel. He's in so, so little of the movie, but he is, like, just he's he's in there so little but he plays such a big part right <laughs> he really does and he's not dead at the end they uh, yeah he gets up who knows back. what he's doing now <laughs> he just runs to the jungle and that's it <laughs> i do I wish him. that was the last uh end credit scene like if it was just mm-hmm. that i would have thought that was hilarious i was gonna say uh what if they make him like the uh that'll be the the, the stanley cameo of the dcu you just see weasel just in the background somewhere <laughs> just from he's, now always, on. he's always like waddling somewhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> in aquaman 2 he's learning how to swim in one yeah, he seems like you'll like you'll, you'll see him dr- quote-unquote drowning or whatever <laughs> you'll see like aquaman scene in the background <laughs> oh man i don't have time to deal with that (laughs) another scene i want to talk we kind of you know glossed over the the harley quinn thing but there's two scenes i want to talk about with her one was with the uh prince of cora maltese or i don't know he was like some some higher power royalty guy but their scene was great i thought it was great development for her to immediately notice the red flags and then just shoot him in the neck yeah (laughs) I just kill people whenever I see a red flag. Yeah. I was like, you're fucking bad shit. <laughs> yeah. Don't stick your dick in crazy, I think was the, the lesson yeah. there. <laughs> Don't stick your dick in crazy. And then or after just kill <laughs> was the that's the Harley Quinn special. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, it showed an arc for her. I mean, like in these past two movies, she had like fall, either fallen or sort of been under the the thumb of dudes who were very controlling, like joker in the um to the first suicide squad and then black mask and birds of prey so it was nice to see her be like no i'm not doing this shit again like and just yeah. immediately kill him um again I, this is why i think that character worked for me in this movie because harley quinn has never been a character i've really understood the appeal of because most of her stuff in the comics is like just a, a prime example of domestic abuse like she's not a powerful <laughs> character so it's nice to see her in this new take where they've modernized her a lot um, and they've made her, I don't want to say like, you know, a strong independent, whatever, but like they've done a good job of bringing her into the modern era of what she could be her potential, I guess. And they didn't just cop out. Oh, I'm sorry. I was gonna say they didn't just cop out with it and be like, now she's this song. It's like, she's, they're using her like previous like situations that she's been in that weren't good. And that's how like she's become stronger because of it. It wasn't just like suddenly like I'm strong woman now, you know. Yeah, they didn't Captain Marvel it. They like actually showed growth, which yeah, was nice. Yeah, I was gonna say like I, I think that's part of her appeal is that she goes from that the, the domestically abusive relationship to being stronger because like a, a lot of times they kind of hint that she's smarter and more powerful than Joker throughout a lot of time, but then she's like kind of under his thumb. So almost every arc involving her involves her getting out of his thumb and uh, going to be a better character. So um, it was cool seeing that arc played out in the live action. It was, yeah. And that, but that is still kind of a recent thing in the comics, even in like the Injustice comic when Joker dies and then she realizes how shitty he was and all that. Like that, that was kind of new because before that she was just another Joker goon. Like she didn't really have a lot of character development or whatever that I'm talking about, like when she was first created, 
Yeah, I mean, um, when she was first created, she, I don't think they expected her to get as big as she was because she was just in the animated series. Yeah. They actually, I think you and I talked about this, but I was like, I wonder if they modeled her off of uh, Pris from Blade Runner. Because they're basically the same character. Remember in the first movie, like the uh, Roy Batty's like side robot character? I, I think I might just be talking to myself right now. But yeah. so, that's the, the, the girl with the, like, the short blonde hair, right? She, she looks exactly so okay it, um they're whatever jackie's girlfriend i remember this from uh cyberpunk like at the beginning and she has the crazy hair and like the dark makeup or whatever mm-hmm. that's modeled after pris and i was wondering if like because they're harley quinn and that character are very similar oh, right. like, oh maybe they you know they took inspiration from blade runner it doesn't matter <laughs> but <laughs> um yeah, I, I guess we can just give, yeah, general scores. I think we said this before. Mine is like 9.5, maybe a little less, like a 9.2 or 9.3. But some of the humor didn't always work for me, but that was really my only complaint. Everything else about this movie, I absolutely fucking loved. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think a nine is what I gave it. Um, if the John Cena Peacemaker end credit scene wasn't there, it'd probably be a 9.5 and... I, I don't know. It, it was a very solid, very solid movie. Yeah, I'm probably at a nine as well myself. Uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed a lot of the parts of it. Um, it's almost, it feels weird because it almost feels like I should give it a 10 because, like, I, I generally, like, I, there's a lot of stuff I couldn't really nitpick, but uh, I can't tell what was missing, but something feels like it was missing, but I don't know what it is, if that makes any sense. That's, um, that's kind of how I, like, just reviewed it i was like it's a 9.5 but i don't know how to make it a 10 <laughs> yeah exactly it's yeah like, I, i'm not sure what would push it to that edge but um i, I think it'll barring any craziness it'll probably end up being my movie of the year <laughs> um I, so. I think it's mine i think i saw tenant like really early on but that was last year but <laughs> so uh i think this is like out of the movies that came out this year i think this is my number one spot yeah, and no, for me, it's like Bo Burnham's Inside and this are, you know, obviously two very different reasons, but I love both of those movies. And like right now, those are pretty much share my number one spot, but I don't really know what else is coming out this year that I'm like really excited for besides Dune. I say Dune I, and what's oh, and Spider Man. Spider Man comes out on Christmas, I think. Yeah. I think I'm pretty excited for Free Guy. Um, I wish I would have saw that this weekend. I just didn't have time. I don't know if I don't think that'll be like my movie. Yeah, of the year, I'm not though. expecting that to be like the the movie of the year. I'm just expecting it to be a good fun movie. But yeah, Free Guy has gotten surprisingly good reviews for what I was expecting. Like I, I thought it was going to be like you know 50, 60 percent Rotten Tomatoes, whatever. Everyone loves Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean he's a likable guy, but yeah, apparently the movie's actually pretty clever. Um, which to me, it looked it looked like live action emoji movie in terms of like not really understanding what makes something popular with with younger people or whatever. Like, oh, you kids play fucking Fortnite or, you know, like it, it looked like that level of cheese. Um, and some of those initial trailers were not good, but I'll still probably see it. Maybe we'll review it next week if we all get around to it. But I'm just looking at through some of the movies from this year. And I don't think any of these are going to be high on my expectation list. I'll say Dune, I'm, I'm expecting Dune to be my movie of the year, um, but uh, we'll see. 
uh, the other Doom movies are not great. So yeah. we'll see. It's if the Big D. Finally, uh, Denis Villeneuve. Yeah, I, I trust him to make a good movie after uh, Blade Runner. So we shall see. He's really had, you know, nothing but hits. I mean, maybe not commercial hits, but like ever, like Arrival is really good. I like that movie a lot. Blade Runner's 2049 is obviously fucking amazing. <laughs> um, you know, I, I expect nothing less from this. I know Roger Deakins isn't doing the cinematography for this movie which is kind of a bummer because his, you know, his shit is legendary. He did 1917 um, mm. as well, which is also a beautiful movie. Do you guys ever see that one? I didn't. Which, which movie? I'm sorry. 1917. Uh, I saw like bits and pieces. Okay. I would, I, for anyone out there, I would also very much recommend that movie. It's a old war movie that's shot like it's one take. Um, so the whole two hour movie looks like it's one shot and it's amazing. I think I've seen more YouTube videos on that movie than I have like <laughs> actual parts of that movie. <laughs> so it's like Birdman. <laughs> yeah, it's like Birdman if it didn't suck. <laughs> I, I really the ending of Birdman is terrible. Yeah. I think it it ends. Oh my god! Can we can we, can I rant about this for a second? Can I can I uh, turn my? I have, it's on my list. I haven't seen Birdman before. Oh, all right, never mind. Then I won't say. <laughs> There's a moment in the movie where it should have ended, and then it goes on for like ten more minutes. And there's a lot of that movie is just really fucking overly pretentious. It was definitely Oscar bait. Like they they wanted that to win an Oscar, and then it did. <laughs> the whole soundtrack is like just drums. I'm like, come the fuck on, like, whatever. <laughs> Uh, Joey, do you want to talk about well, Chris? How much time do we have left? Uh, like ten minutes. I was gonna say real quick. Uh, another movie I was excited for this year was Death on the Nile, um, but they moved that to next year. What is that? Uh, I think it's based off of Krista Agathy. Krista, Krista. I can't. I can't fucking talk. <laughs> um, it's like a. It's like a Knives Out kind of like murder mystery thing. Um, and it's got Gal Gadot in it. Um, I, I I like that kind of stuff. Um, but like I said, they postponed it. So, you know, what movie we forgot about that's going to be the actual number one tier zero is Venom Two: Let There Be Carnage. <laughs> is that this year? That's, that's in this October. Year. Oh no! <laughs> it just got pushed okay. back again. But they that, just, that's yeah. the actual movie of the year. They moved it back to make it even more perfect. Perfect. There you go. They got to polish it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be fucking terrible. Um, like Joey, real quick. Like a turd. <laughs> yeah, like a turd in the wind. A turd in the wind. We are going to talk about Hades, I think, a little bit. Because I, you and I were discussing this in the group chat uh, along with Joey Burt last night. And we have kind of different feelings about this game. Um, and I thought it'd be fun to share that. But real quick, just to recap for anybody who hasn't played the game, um, Hades is a, uh, a roguelike game, meaning that every time you die, the whole map resets and you basically are uh, the son of Hades and you're trying to escape hell and get to Mount Olympus. And your dad is sort of like middle management office worker and he's just trying to keep you there. And uh, you get different weapons. And every time you die, you get to slowly upgrade your character. You get better and better with each run. Hopefully I didn't because I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's the, the overall game. I think you and I agree on this is that the, the visuals are amazing. 
The combat is super fun. Um, the story is actually surprisingly like nuanced for a roguelike. Usually roguelikes don't have any stories. Right. Um, and I think the only thing you and I disagree on is the mechanic of you having to run through the entire game all at once without there being any sort of, I don't want to say like a checkpoint system, but any real sense of progression other than when you die, you get to upgrade little pieces of you. And I think that just comes down to personal preference. Like you like that and I don't, but right. what, what make, what about that uh, entices you, I guess? Uh, I think that um, it uh, like, there's enough progression in there to make it. So like every time I've gone, I, I, I think I'm at, I think I've gone through about maybe 15 times at this point. I just started playing it like a couple of days ago, but I think I've had 15 deaths and I'm at, I, I, I've, made it to the end boss twice now um but uh every single time i made it farther than the last so i could actually feel progression each time like uh, i would go into the to, to fight the same boss again i was like i already know how to beat you let's do this <laughs> um and uh i really really love the mechanic of like every time you go through it not only does the dungeon change but your skills change so like maybe you'll start with Athena and you can play a more defensive character. Maybe you'll start with Dionysus and you can do this whole damage over time. Uh, maybe you'll start with Hermes and you can go really, really fast. Uh, uh, I really love the uh, way that every time I play it, I've played a different character almost, it feels like. So it's almost like doing a whole new game from the start each time, but those little bit of bonuses from the, the mirror. Um, there's also, uh, they, you unlock the ability to do a uh, house renovation so you can, um, uh, spend treasure to get new rooms to pop up in the RNG, or you can get new things to pop up in the RNG. Um, and I think that's really cool as well. Um, and I, think I guess the last little bit would be, uh, uh, I love that all every, there's a lot of characters in there as, as many as there are Greek gods and Greek characters and stuff like that. I think it's not Roman, right? It is Greek. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I get those two confused a lot. <laughs> it's fine. Um, Everyone does. It's fine. Yeah, um, but uh, every time you talk to them, they have like a different tidbit of information. They uh, they did a really good job of making it to where like every time you die, uh, Hypnos like has some sort of joke about how you died. Like, oh, maybe don't stand in the lava next time, dumbass, or something like that. <laughs> like, it's he's. Um, I just I think just all together I've, I've had a genuinely good time playing it and uh, I think as it stands right now it's probably the most my like my game of the year right now I think I think this game is everything you said is true I think it's incredibly well polished um, in terms of like the amount of voice lines that they had to record for you know because people are gonna there's varying degrees of skill going into this some people are gonna die five times some people are going to die 500 times right and they had to record lines for every single death different lines of dialogue mm. and i think that's really impressive um the sure. one thing that you were saying that you liked that i don't like and i think this is probably the biggest difference between us on this is how you get different abilities each time because i don't like the the amount of rng associated with how far you can get meaning that it's not really based on your skill level. It's just sort of, hey, if you happen to get this god's power, then you'll go further. And there's, I, I know that there's ways of like, oh, you give this person a nectar, there's a better chance, blah, blah, blah. But there's no real like concrete way of getting what you want to get better. 
And then if you die, even on a good run and you start over and you just happen to get like shit power ups and you're like, well, this is a fucking waste. Like, I'll just get maybe to the first boss. I know I'm going to die. And then I got to do the whole thing again. And that amount of repetition, I think just gets old after a while, despite all the different weapons you can have. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that uh, uh, I, I still I, I, I like the part because I think you no matter which gods or which power ups you end up getting, all of them seem viable. Like uh, um, whether you're using one to give weakness powers, one to give like the blade rifts, attack faster, dash faster. I think that no matter what you do, uh, it's it's playable so far. Um, maybe it's just that uh, the. I don't want to like sound like a like a, a sweaty pro, but maybe it's just my skill level towards it. But uh, uh, every time I've played, uh, I've been I play towards the powers that I get. So if I get one power up that says, "Hey, your special attack is super powerful," that whole time I'll go through using a special in most fights. If I get something that's like, "Hey, your cast is really good," I'll just start casting through the fight um, and still make it as farther farther than I've ever made it. So. Um, uh, again for me i i I like that um but uh i could definitely see where you get frustrated uh it was funny because i was actually i I take this with a grain of salt because i never played them but uh it kind of gave me like uh uh, almost like metroid vibes um in a sense to where it felt like you know getting the power-ups and uh, a little bit of like the backtracking and stuff like that which is my basic understanding of metroid games (laughs) (laughs) um and uh so it was like doing that, but with uh, upgraded graphics, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm also a bit of a sucker for the uh, the Greek gods and stuff like that. I even took a class on it in college. So um, seeing all those characters, like I see, I still remember like uh, I was the little logo when I first started. I try to guess which god it is, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, the game. Yeah, and I, I think I would actually, you know, with that uh, comparison, I would love to see. Maybe not like you died, the whole thing starts over, but I would like to see a rogue like Metroid where every time you play it, the powers, the power ups are in different spots and you kind of just have to find and like maybe the bosses are moved around or there's different bosses. Um, that would actually be really fun. Like every time you go through a door, it's different. I know there's some modders that have kind of done stuff like that with Zero Mission in the past, but I think you're right. I mean, the overall idea besides the RNG uh, nature of it. And besides the roguelike nature of it, it is kind of similar to Metroid. I mean, you start out kind of weak, you go through the levels, you slowly build up your character, you find new abilities, which allow you to explore even more areas, which lead to more upgrades. And then, you know, you fight all the bosses. So, yeah, I mean, I guess in that sense, it is uh, it is pretty similar to that. I just I can't get over the the RNG nature of how it affects your game because i think there are some skills in hades which are just clearly better than the others and sometimes you just don't get them like i remember you and i were talking one run i had the double strike with the special move i got something else that built on that and then i got something else that built on that one and i was essentially unstoppable until i got to a certain point where like i just couldn't go any further because i had lost all my health i died I lost all that stuff. And it's just like the most crushing feeling of like, well, now I got to go through this whole fucking first stage again, but with worse stuff. And it's just, and I know that's the point of the game is to make you feel like you're defeated. Like you never will escape. And I get that. It doesn't necessarily make for a fun gameplay time. (laughs) I I really like the fact that you got like, uh, uh, it it makes you feel kind of like how the character does, which I think is cool. I have this like dread because 
no one's supposed to escape the underworld and they do a really good job of making it feel like oh my god i'm never going to be able to escape the underworld which i can imagine is how um uh, zagreus feels uh but um but he's still got that will to keep going as much as i had the will to keep playing but you you don't have zagreus's heart <laughs> clearly i don't I don't, have, I don't have the fucking patience either but chris what was your question so i haven't played the game i watched connor you played a little bit is the reward i didn't act i think i saw you die like once maybe i don't know is the reward quote unquote like when you die however far you got through the game you get rewarded a little bit for it is that what you're saying so every time you enter a new room it'll show you what power you will get or like what minor upgrade you'll get from beating that room. So it'll, it'll but be for like that run only. So some of the, some of the things are for that run only. Some of them you get to take back with you when you die. Like there are these purple gems you get to take back with you. There are these keys. And then there's this other material that helps you renovate the house, uh, Hades, the house of Hades, everything else you lose. So like when you go through a room with purple coins, you beat everything in that room. You get the purple coins and then you get to choose what room you go into next. So one of the rooms might be a key and then one of them might be a temporary power up for this run, like this specific run. And then you have to beat that room and then you get that. And then you just keep going through until literally the end of the game. Like the game is supposed to be done in one run. Now you can power up your character to get like an extra life when you die or like make them a little bit stronger. But for me, at least, again, this is all personal, but it doesn't feel like there's enough progression or like enough i don't know personal accomplishment whatever you want to call it to warrant going back in immediately and having like 10 extra gems to spend on shit and then just doing the run all over is when do you wish there was more reward when you died like say you got like i don't know if you beat the first boss you got a little extra health or something like that each time and that way it gave you more of an edge even if you keep going in there and dying and dying, as long as you persist, you will get to the point where just through playing the game, it doesn't matter what upgrades you got in that specific run, your character will be at a point where with a decent amount of skill, you will be able to complete the run. Yeah, I think you should be able, after you beat that first area, you should, whatever power you get from that boss should allow you to essentially blow through that first area again. If they're going to make you go through the entire game again, like you should be able to kill that boss in a couple hits. Then when you go to the next level, it scales in difficulty and you're like, all right, now I got to do this whole thing. Then when you beat that, it'll scale to whatever that is. And then you can take those first two levels out. And this game doesn't really do that. You do get something from beating the first boss, but it's not enough of an upgrade to really change the gameplay at all i think that's what i was uh, i think i meant to say is, is the word scale so like things like the first boss you're done you beat them whatever upgrade that gives you or like even if you say i made it through 15 rooms two of which were boss you get some kind of stat permanent stat buff and then that makes it a little bit easier so you blow through those 15 rooms again like not like that but like it's easier right like say you more damage or higher crit percentage or whatever like that would make it scale better but it sounds like this game doesn't do that it doesn't do it as much there is some of that there's I saying, like, it does do that. Yeah. so the the mirror upgrades um do give you there's uh one called uh death defiance which is basically the extra life there's one that makes it so um 
every time you go into a room, you heal three life. So you can uh, maybe keep your uh, runs going a little bit longer. Uh, there's one that's like, um, as long as your health is above 80%, you do X amount more damage uh, when you first go in there. So as soon as you get to that boss battle, if you're doing 25% extra damage than you did the first time going through, you're probably going to cheese it, which is why for me, it's pretty easy to go through it now because I'm just cheesing the boss at this point. Um, but uh, it does scale to where the next couple of bosses get a lot harder, um, particularly the third one. Um, I, I died like three times at the third boss. <laughs> I'll say uh, this. Eventually you will beat this game just by collecting enough stuff to power your character up. Like, cause if you have to go through a lot, but like, if you play the game, you run through it enough times to get enough upgrade points to unlock everything, you should be able to beat it. My question is, is that fun? <laughs> and for me, the answer is, as I was playing more and more became no. <laughs> so, but again, that's personal preference. Some people might like that grind of being like, you know what? I can't beat this boss, but if I just get fucking 30 gems, I'll be able to upgrade this one thing, which will help me. I just feel like that progression is too slow and the combat gets too repetitive for me to be like, wow, I'm having a blast doing this. feels more like a, you know, like an actual job. Joey, I have a question. Cause you said you've been to the end boss twice. Mm. What benefit, like you've said, you started playing the game a couple days ago and you've already gotten to the end boss a couple of times. You've almost beat the game. Like once you complete a run through, is there any benefit? to like continuing to play like you just beat the game you know the answer to that is i don't know yet because <laughs> i oh, haven't done okay. it yet um <laughs> uh i'm still using like little codex i can see that i'm still missing there's still people i haven't met so i can imagine after i beat and this person okay so i should specify this may or may i don't want to spoil who, who or what it is um uh because for somebody who might want to play it um but uh um speaking on that even um after you die uh Hypnos calls them redacted. Um, so it doesn't even say who they are. So that's why I want to try and keep that part of it spoiler free. But they may or may not be the final boss. Um, they just It's just where I'm currently stuck at. And it seems like it would be. Um, but I mean, they completely unlock a whole new map or something like that for all I know. Um, but uh, uh, pinging the other Joey, might, he might be able to give a little more insight onto that as to... Um, that but I, I feel like there's a lot of replayability to it to see um, how quickly you can make it through uh, i saw i haven't watched it because i didn't want to spoil the game for myself but uh, i saw uh, ign posted where somebody did a like 25 minute speed run so from a fresh new file in 25 minutes they beat the game one life uh, what'd you say oh i was saying one life like it was their first run through they ran through and beat the whole thing and that's, that seems insane to me. I, I could not imagine that. Um, that's why uh, I think there's got to be something like after the end game. You yeah, know, scenario and there probably that... is. Maybe there are time trials or uh, maybe there's yeah, uh, extra content. Uh, but um, I can definitely see there's a lot of replayability behind it to where um, you're like, all right, maybe I want to try and go through with a different weapon this time or something. I don't know. Yeah, and I'll say this too. Definitely check it out. Because I, I, I may sound like I hate this game. I don't. This game has a lot of great stuff going for it. And I think it has a lot of uh, a lot of things that people may like about it that feel very fresh and new. Um, and it's on Game Pass. So if you have Game Pass, it's free. Um, I'd highly recommend, you know, 
giving it a shot and seeing if it's your cup of tea, at least right now, it's not really mine, but everyone else in the group chat who, who plays it really seems to love it. So your mileage may vary, but you know, definitely try it out for sure. And on that note, I think we're probably good to call it. Um, do we do recommendations? Yeah. Oh yeah, we can do recommendations. Do you guys have anything? Uh, I kind of, yeah. Okay. You want to go first while I think of one? <laughs> right. I was, I was like, oh. um, so we talked a lot about uh, Suicide Squad and how it's on HBO Max. I, I would just recommend HBO Max. I didn't, I, I don't really go on there that much. I think I went on there for uh, the Snyder Cut of Justice League and now Suicide Squad. And I didn't really look through it, but their catalog of movies and TVs is I, just looking through it. One of the better of these streaming i hate that we have to have so many streaming services mm -hmm. but i think hbo max in terms of what they offer is uh very i don't know just like a lot of good stuff there's like old movies in there um there's like all the dc stuff obviously um there's like friends south park a lot of good tv shows um like disturbia was on there i was like i might watch that again but the Rihanna song or <laughs> no, the Shia LaBeouf movie. <laughs> I've definitely heard of the Rihanna song. You've never seen that movie? No, I haven't. Oh, I used to, I, I remember I've seen it like twice. I watched it when it first came out like a while ago. When I was How old kid. is it? Probably like 10 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. It um, probably came out around the same time the Rihanna song came out. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Well, I can uh, I can kind of tag on to the HBO Max thing, but I'm going to do what you did, I think, two weeks ago, Chris, and I'm going to give my uh, not recommendation, like, please don't do this. Um, I do not recommend Space Jam 2. It's really <laughs> bad. <laughs> it is a corporate hack job of a movie. It's not funny at all. It's not good. The only thing I can go like going forward is that some of the special effects are kind of cool, but like most of it is dog shit. Uh, <laughs> don't fucking watch it. Just watch the original. As as your movie sucks said, they don't go into space and there are no jams. So do not watch this movie. But, wow. Don't I uh... <laughs> no space and jams in my space jam? No. <laughs> Hashtag not my space. The song, jam. They don't go into space and the songs fucking suck. So <laughs> We uh we watched the Suicide Squad on the 14th of August and Space Jam. There was like a thing, it was like you might you know catch these before they leave HBO Max, and it was like Space Jam 2, and it was leaving the 15th, and now it's the 16th, and darn, I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love LeBron being bad at acting though. That might be one of my one of my favorite things in the world. I also just think the movie hates itself. Like it, the whole thing is a giant ad for HBO Max. Like they go into all these different worlds of different HBO Max movies and TV shows. And there's a point at the beginning when LeBron James is in a meeting with Warner Brothers, like at Warner Brothers Studios. And they're pitching him the idea of, they're like, what if LeBron James, like talking to him in third person, like what if LeBron James was in Batman? What if LeBron James was in the Matrix? With our AI, we can put your face in anything. And then LeBron James to their face goes, that's the dumbest fucking idea I've ever heard in my life. Like who would watch this stupid idea of a movie? And then literally the next hour and a half of the movie is that 
he gets sucked into the Warner Brothers server, like the cyberspace server thing. And he goes into all of those movies. So like the movie clearly hates itself. Like nobody wanted to make this piece of shit. It's just so blatantly. Where's the basketball aspect? So, okay. So LeBron's. Don Cheadle, right? <laughs> huh? The Don Cheadle. Don, so Don Cheadle plays the AI algorithm in the server. Um, the reason that there's basketball is because LeBron's son, LeBron is like really shitty to his son in this movie. Cause his son's like, I don't want to play basketball. I want to go to E3 video game camp and make basketball video games and lebron's like don't be a pussy or whatever i don't remember the dialogue but sounds right <laughs> yeah the kids movie it sounds right but he won't let him do it so lebron's son makes the video game kind of behind his back a little bit but then ends up showing it to him but don Cheadle, there's a glitch in the game so don Cheadle's algorithm is like hey i can fix your game for you and he's sort of like makes the game his own and then he forces lebron james to play in it or he's going to delete all the looney tunes Oh yeah, the Looney Tunes are in this too, which <laughs> you don't think they would be because it actually makes sense why they're in the first one. This one, they're just there. They just show up. This this sounds like a train wreck. It's awful. And Lola Bunny isn't hot, so zero out of ten. <laughs> they nerfed her. They did. They nerfed her big time. Oh, um, uh, I guess uh, for uh, for my recommendation, uh, kind of going off of uh, Suicide Squad a little bit, um, I want to recommend uh, Doom Patrol. Uh, so Doom Patrol is um, a, a, much like the Suicide Squad is the D-list villains uh, going and doing these ridiculous missions and things like that. Doom Patrol is the D-list heroes uh, doing the most ridiculous fights uh and um it was the first thing that brendan fraser did uh after coming back to hollywood after his long hiatus um the first two seasons are a lot of fun uh, i will say it's the most riveting tv in the world by any means but uh it is a lot of fun it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen i would uh recommend it um for that aspect uh and the third season is coming out soon <laughs> I saw one scene from that that Chris McCain sent me where he's like he's going into the mouth of a giant uh like a daddy long legs or something. No, uh, um the mouse, right? It's the, oh the mouse, yeah, that's what it is. The mouse. And he's like, swallow me whole daddy or something like that. <laughs> I was like, I gotta watch this show. Please do. I need somebody to talk to it with because uh, I forgot anybody else has watched it yet. <laughs> well, now that uh, I have HBO Max again, because I'm going to have it for the whole month because I watched Suicide Squad that way, I, I'll probably uh, end up watching that because it looks really good. Yeah, it's it's bizarre, uh, but uh, it's got really good character development, um, really good, like, uh, it, really ridiculous premise. I can't say good premise, but a really ridiculous thing. And uh I can tell you there's a lot of times you're going to be laughing like what is going on but I have to watch the next episode type thing. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, it, it's definitely much like Suicide Squad did a good job of not taking itself too seriously while also making a compelling story. Uh, this one kind of falls in that same vein. Um, so uh, I'd probably recommend it. <laughs> nice. Those are, those are solid recommendations and not recommendations this week. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think that about brings us to a close here. I want to thank everybody for watching, uh, whether you watch us on YouTube or you listen to us on Spotify or whatever. We're just glad that you do. 
Um, if you like this and you want to see more of it, you can always subscribe or, uh, you know, fucking what do they have now? The bell, click the bell. I don't yeah, know. Ring the, ring the bell for notifications. Yeah. That way you always know. And we're going to have a lot more videos coming out soon. Cause we're going to do the, uh, couple highlights from the week prior in case you don't have time to watch the whole podcast. Um, you'll also notice hopefully that we are in a new little thing. We're all going to be in TVs and there's wood paneling behind us. It's very fancy. Hey, we were, we were in TVs before. Oh, that's true. We were kind of in TVs before. Yeah. Now they have antennas because our production value is way up. So uh, we blew the whole budget on it. (laughs) (laughs) All $0 of it. We, (laughs) so thank you guys for watching uh and we'll see you next week